cliffcentral.com. All right, it is time for us to check in with Jean-Jacques Cornish uh, in African Analysis. African Analysis is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. We're looking at what's happening on the African continent. It's our chance to check in with JJ Cornish. Monsieur, how are you this morning? Bonjour. Bonjour to you. I'm immensely well, thanks. Very well. I'm not uh, at all elevated by the conversation. The dust, the dirt mites in my know. mattress. Sorry. The price of petrol <laughs> now it's more expensive than uh, whiskey. Yeah. It's, you've depressed me. And, and I, it's my job speaking about Africa to depress you. I know. I know, JJ. We didn't want to steal your thunder, but, you know, there's a lot to think about at the moment. So, first of all, uh, let's just talk about Ethiopia because they have not uh, they haven't been able to stay out of the news for much of this year um, as we go into the last part of 2022 what is happening in Ethiopia um, the peace talks well, they ha- they've had those peace talks they started here on Tuesday and we said that's as the host South Africa said they last until Sunday well they went on yesterday and they are continuing today the African Union says actually we didn't put a time scale on them but I have never dealt with talks that they have managed to keep as silent as this hmm. you know that great big building for Durko the Department of International Relations and Cooperation has the one end that it can, they can secure no you can't even see who's coming in and out it's it's impossible the fact is that's what they've used and they've not there's been no leaks out of it it's been absolute radio silence so difficult to say what's happening we hear what they plan and or what they'd like but no and 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 there's some indication again from uh, south african sources that they will finish today the point is that while they're doing this, there's been intense fighting still in Tigray. You know, the fighting started there two years ago. They had a five-month truce that was torpedoed in about August. Right. And, uh, you know, there have been thousands upon tens of thousands of people killed, uh, close to millions displaced, and, of course, humanitarian aid not getting through. The fact is they're working now towards getting a cessation of hostilities, Gareth, mm-hmm. and on the back of that, they can, you know, once fighting has been frozen, they can plan a second round of talks. The ones in Pretoria are, in fact, the first round in the two years. And uh, then they'll get a more formal ceasefire. That is what we plan. But we haven't had a communique. We haven't had any indication that that's going to happen. The the Tigrayans want an, uh, the, the Eritreans that are fighting them to be removed. And they want uh, a kind of constitutional framework. And they want an end to the siege that has been laid on their country. The thing about the Tigrayans, they were very much part of the power elite. They're not the biggest group by any means, but there was this uh, coalition, and they were very much part of the ruling coalition all the way until uh, from 1991 and all the way until uh, Abi Ahmed came in. So they, you know, there's this great resentment. And, and, and when you take the power away from people who've been holding it, uh, the bitterness is, 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 is palpable. So it, it, the situation is that they're having talks and it's better that they do that than that they don't. But we don't in honesty know what to expect. When they finish now, will they go away with the cessation at least of hostilities and allowing a humanitarian aid to get through to the people who are starving to death? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm always a little bit befuddled by these talks that people have. You know, they have these peace talks. And obviously 
peace talks would, in, you know, you think that the, the victory conditions here, the things that you want to achieve in or out of this is peace. That would be number one. But they don't even seem to put that on the agenda. It's just like, let's get together and talk, and then at least we look like we're doing something. And that's what politicians well, all over the world seem to be doing. It's not just here in South Africa or in Africa. Absolutely true. You know, you never had peace talks before until the sides had actually split apart. And mm. then you couldn't move peacekeepers in to keep a peace that didn't exist. You know, you couldn't have peace enforcers. The now, now and again, the United mm. Nations has had to do that of late. But normally with peace talks, Gareth, they would write the communique before the people sit down at the table. Right. In other words, if, if you're not going to have anything, then why, do, why are you sitting down to talk? You know, you don't want to be known as the site of uh, uh, another failed peace attempt. Well, but in this maybe, case, maybe that hasn't happened. Maybe and, they're and, just, uh, uh, that's quite depressing. Maybe they're doing it for the free food and drinks and, and accommodation. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, Ethiopia is one of the richest countries uh, on the continent, so I don't think that's the case. No, maybe our food's better than Ethiopian food. Who knows? Uh, what about the DRC? Because they've just expelled the Rwandan ambassador. Um, they alleged that Kigali is supporting the rebels in the east of the country, which is a big accusation. I mean, that that is an area of unending conflict. And if Rwanda is actually you know, like stoking fires and supporting the rebels, then obviously the DRC has every right to kick out this ambassador. What's actually going on there? Well, you know, of course, the other side of it is that the the Rwandans accuse the DRC of supporting the FDLR, and those are the sort of genocidiaire of the rebels fighting the Rwandan government. Mm. But this poor individual is Vincent Karega. Now, uh, not to be confused with Patrick Karegea, who was the guy that was strangled in the Michelangelo Hotel. Jesus. And Vincent, he was actually the South, uh, ambassador to South Africa at the time that happened. And he said, sure. no, we could never have strangled Patrick because we don't, we don't have capital punishment in, in Rwanda. Oh. So, you know, there's no plan to oh. kill this guy. Yeah. Anyway, the, the thing is, uh, the, the DRC, the Congolese have been a bit crueler to him. They said to him, Vincent, Get your ass out of here in 48 hours. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. We in South Africa in 2014, when we gave him the hoof, we gave him 72 hours to get out. And that was because of the unsuccessful attempt to uh, assassinate uh, Faustin Kayumba Niamwasa, former army chief who'd fallen foul of uh, the uh, Rwandan president and mm -hmm. was in exile in South Africa. He was shot outside his house as he was coming oh, home. Uh, and uh, he wow. managed to survive, sadly. But so this man, Vansamp, uh, when they say you've been posted to such and such a thing, I think that the, the injunction thereafter is pack a small bag. You know, you're not going to be <laughs> staying very long because uh, he's not the most popular envoy that Rwanda has. Clearly, they have regretted this terribly. The thing is, the M23 have been taking a string of small towns around the east. I know the east very well, Goma, because I've been there many times. And uh, uh, it's right there on the border with Rwanda, uh, on, on Lake Kibu. So, uh, it, but it, it's, it's interesting that they've taken such tough action. Uh, and and we, let's see what happens in terms of how how the Rwandans will reciprocate. When we kicked their ambassador and others out, they kicked all our guys out. We're, we're back on track at the moment, but relations are still, uh, to, be, to put it in the best diplomatic terms, a little frosty.
Jeez. Rwanda's really choosing some pretty awful um, envoys. I mean, they should they should do some kind of filtering process and at least try to keep their criminals out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not, should, yeah. Not too much well, I mean, to I ask. think they're more interested in gender parity than, than anything else, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're not uh, uh, not as good as New Zealand, which has as many what women MPs as men at the moment. But they do. They ha- they've they've uh, elevated a number of uh, uh, very quality, high quality uh, individual women. Uh, and so, you know, that's the sort of thing they look to. The, the, the Rwanda is this real dichotomy. I, I, I've, I've said this before. The only South Africans I know who are really admiring of Rwanda are Mlungus who say, have you been there? Have you noticed how it's clean so it is? Clean. Have you noticed how little litter yeah, there well, is? I mean, and you say, yeah, but, but they actually you know, kill their uh, political opponents. Oh, yeah, a small detail. Yeah. There, but, yeah, have you noticed? <laughs> I mean, listen, our standards are so low that that's where we've got to start. So I, I suppose we, we're still trying to figure out what exactly we want in Africa. Do we want dictators who keep the place clean and who murder their political rivals? Do we want uh, a country that can you know, ensure gender parity? Do we want a country that can get like the, 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 the cause of merit to the forefront? Or do we just basically want things to work? I mean, it's not too much to ask. Let's move on to uh, Rishi Sunak, who's the new Prime Minister of uh, Britain, and he's received quite a lot of attention, a lot of it very good attention. Um, he seems to be an interesting guy, clearly uh, married very well. He's got lots and lots of money in the bank. But also, smart dude. He's got the right background. He appears to be very, um, appears to be very smart. He appears to have a plan. Uh, what is his connection though to Africa? Because I believe his African heritage and his African roots are as big a deal as his Indian ones. Certainly, he has the sort of Barack Obama stuff, and from the same part of the world. Mm. Now, Rishi Sunak, uh, forty-two years old, youngest uh, uh, British premier in. 200 years or more. Mm-hmm. His daddy, Yasfir, he was born in Kenya. So Rishi was actually born and raised in, in, uh, in that area of the world. His mum, Usha, comes from, was born in Tanganyika. And oh. uh, they came to Britain uh, quite, you know, I mean, they, they, they originally come from the Punjab. But, uh, you know, the, obviously Kenyans and Tanzanians are delighted now to have uh, this man with, uh, with uh, the, heritage from their part of the world uh, in in uh, number 10 Downing Street. But uh, interestingly, Rishi Sunak is uh, among the proponents of sending illegal migrants on to the country you've just mentioned, back to Rwanda. You know, Rwanda's taken like something yeah. like 180 million pounds from Britain to take the unwanted migrants. It hasn't happened because that's all tied up in the Court of Human Rights and so on. But uh, let's see what he does, and what what will happen when the first Kenyan or Tanzanian who goes, uh, you know, sadly gets caught and put on a plane to Rwanda? What's he going to say to Rishi Sunak? Hey, brother, is this the way you like to treat us? Well, I mean, it's interesting though that his his parents are from Africa. That's really cool. I mean, we we'll we'll take, you know, we'll take that the PM of Britain is is an African. We'll just we'll just claim him, like we claim Barack Obama is an African, even though he was born in Hawaii. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, all those jokes that had uh, uh, the samosas on a plate saying uh, <laughs> "full English breakfast." I think we now can have 
We can have a similar one where we have yams and cassava and stuff like that on a plate. <laughs> Full English breakfast, too. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, thank you, JJ. Always good to check in with you. I hope you have an excellent day and a good month of November. We're winding down towards the end of the year. So hopefully also more good news, less uh, hard conflict-based stuff coming from the African continent. Mm. We can only hope. JJ, thanks so much. All the very best. Nice chatting with you. There we go. JJ Cornish is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School with African analysis, everything you need to know. Sure.